Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Everybody, it's Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and you're listening to the Wrestle Talk Podcast. And I'm the Night Owl. You're tuned in to Wrestle Talk. 657-383-1521. We'll be discussing WWE, NXT, Lucha Underground, ROH, Fantasy Wrestling, and we'll have some of the best damn interviews for professional and independent wrestling that you've ever heard. And I'm Joe Lance. Ladies and gentlemen, buckle your seatbelts, keep your arms in the vehicle at all times. Wrestle Talk begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1... What's up, everybody? It is Wednesday night. That means one thing and one thing only, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for the world's greatest professional wrestling podcast, the Wrestle Talk Podcast with Joe and Renee. Man, do we have a great show for you tonight? We've got the high spot segment, we've got the shoot and shout segment. We got the Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. We got the Fantasy Wrestling Segment. If that's not enough, ladies and gentlemen, we've got Matt Robles coming on and Tom Simon. It's going to be absolutely amazing. I legit cannot wait for this show to come on. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Anton Timmy, if you could please, please play that intro for you know who. What is up, Night Owl? All right. Hopefully tonight I will be with us very, very soon. Ladies and gentlemen, like I said, we have a absolute amazing show tonight. It's going to be all kinds of fun. Man, so much stuff has been going on in, in, in pro wrestling that we need to talk about. From backlash to what happened last night to, you know, just everything. Everything, ladies and gentlemen. So, what we're going to do is we're going to do what we always do, and that is take off our hats as we pay homage to the greatest country in the world, and that is America, damn it. Free. 
speak the chin in my eye every single time. Night Owl, are you with us? Dude, I am. And as always, que pasa, que pasa, que pasa. Loyal members of the Wrestle Talk Familia, it is a pleasure to have you all here for episode 302 of the Wrestle Talk Podcast. Jonesy, great job handling the introduction. Shout out to all the people that are already checking us out via the Facebook Live. Quick shout out to real yeah. quick, Matt Stockdale, Eric Thornton, our boy Owen is in the house, Todd is in the house, Johnny Rocco, and a few others that are already tuning in early on. Thank you guys so much for being here. We're grateful to you. And you know what, Joe? I'm really happy to be here today because just yesterday, sir, I celebrated my 36th birthday, and dude, it was perfect. I enjoyed it. Had a lot of great people reach out to me directly, show me some love. We got a chance to talk to some family members and all that, dude. I cannot tell you how awesome it was. And then, you know, kind of to put a, a cherry on top, dude, my wife comes home with my very favorite pie, dude. Key lime pie. Whole thing, fresh off wherever. <laughs> dude, it was so good. The kids enjoyed it. And you know what? I Give me an opportunity to reflect back. On how awesome it is to be a part of the Wrestle Talk family, to be 300 episodes in, to have made so many great relationships in the in the sport of pro wrestling, bro. And you know what? 2020 has been a, a tough one for everybody, but we ain't done yet, and we're gonna keep on ticking because we can take a licking, and we're gonna give you guys a hell of an episode tonight, man. I am ready to go, Joe. Before we move any further, let me ask you: How have you been, bro? Everything been okay these last couple of days? Everything has been absolutely amazing this past couple of days. Uh, I got a new championship belt. That's right. I'm looking at the uh, the uh, big gold, which is my favorite championship. But I tell you what, what, what I don't like is the fact that for some reason, Blog Talk Radio just decided to re-upload every single audio we have ever used. So do you know how long that I'm going to have to go through this to delete stuff that we don't need anymore? It's going to take forever. <laughs> well, many would say you're overdue for a hard day work, Jonesy, so don't complain too much. Oh, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> hey, that wasn't me. I said many would say. They say. <laughs> Who is they? I don't know. Well, guess what, guys? Episode 302 is going to be off the che- off the chain. We want you guys to participate in the show. I see there's already people sharing. If you're one of those people, remember, we're giving away merch now. If we catch you as one of the people that's sharing on the shows, there's a good chance I'll reach out to you directly and uh, ship you out a WWE T-shirt, Independent Pro Wrestling T-shirt, and action figure. we got tons of great stuff to give away. And if you're feeling super generous, thank you, Byron, for the like. Much love, and thank you for checking us out. If you're feeling super-duper generous, we don't ask you to donate money or give us anything for free. No, we want to give you something back in the return. And that is the fully customizable first ever edition of the Wrestle Talk Podcast Mug, courtesy of Rathbun Engraving. That's right. Scott Rathbun has done a great job for us for a very long time customizing these mugs. This is our first ever series release. And you know what? 20 bucks plus shipping with your name engraved on the bottom. T-shirts are great, but they're way too overpriced. The material is cheap. They shrink in the wash. And they only last a handful of years if you like to wear them often, like I like to wear mine. A WrestleTalk Podcast mug, Josie, 
proven to make your beverage, no matter what it is, taste 17.5% better. And if you're not a clumsy numbskull, it can last you a lifetime. That's my pitch, guys. More information on that by visiting WrestleTalkPodcast.com. Before we go any further, also, Esports Bar KC, uh, Talking Dynasty, uh, The Conspiracy Farm. We love you guys as well. Royals Mills Transportation. Hit up my boy Juan for all your local travel needs here in Kansas City. And last and most definitely not least, our new sponsor, the fine folks over at Interstate 70 Sports Media. It's like Wrestle Talk Flair, but not necessarily always wrestling. Football, baseball. Dude, they put up a poll the other day, Joe D, about who was better, in your opinion, back during the 1998 season, Sammy Sosa or Mark McGuire. Man, that one had me going back in the day, bro. I was thinking, and you know what? Even though I got a Sammy Sosa jersey, I got to admit, bro, I was cheering for Mark McGuire back then. It was such an exciting time in sports. So if you love things like that, make sure you visit our boys over at I-70 Sports Media. Make sure you tell them the Wrestle Talk podcast sent you. How's that sound, Jonesy? We ready to move on or what? That sounds absolutely amazing. This Saturday, this uh, past weekend, I was able to get a brand new Dan Marino jersey, never been worn, fifteen dollars. Yeah. What, bro? Are you thrift store pimping, bro? Are you thrift store pimping? <laughs> it's called yard sales. Yard sales. Yard sales. Brand pimping. new, never even been opened. Still had the tags, fifteen dollars. I was like. I'm not even a, a, a Dolphins fan, but I'm like, Dan Marino? Heck yeah, I'm going to take that shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, you know what's great? I didn't even ask for this, but I've already got people in my messenger arguing about what kind of pie is better. All I said is I like key, key lime pie the best. This doesn't mean we have to start some sort of uh, cross-platform debate, okay? But if you guys want to argue about what kind of pie is best, I'm going to just tell you this. You're free to do that, but you're all wrong unless it's key lime pie. All right, ladies and gentlemen, intro Timmy, if you could please hit that music and for the love of God, play the right song. Man, I love that entrance. I love that high spot song. So we do have quite a few things that we want to talk about during the the High Spot segment, and the one thing I wanted to talk about, and I came across this on my Facebook, this guy has a a blog, it's called Bill's Brand New Blog, and this guy thinks that he he, he punked Joey Janela. So Joey Janela made a Twitter comment that uh, it says, no sports means no sports betting. Guess what? No problem. I got you gamblers covered. How long until Tammy Sitch ends back up in prison? Place your bets with me. To which the guy says, you're an idiot. Then he says, proving again why you are a moron. Thanks. Nice to see it doesn't take much for you to make an ass out of yourself. Joey Janela replies with always and forever. So, for, for one thing, you didn't punk out Joey Janela because all you did was just confirmed that he was a idiot and, and he's basically a douchebag. Something that everybody already knew. 
Everybody already knows that Joe's Janother is a douchebag. So <laughs> you didn't really punk out Joey Janella. Um, you know, so it, I, I, I just thought that 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 was funny that this guy thought that he was punking out Joey Janella by saying that he's a douchebag when everybody already knows that on Twitter Joey Janella is a douchebag. <laughs> yes, we are well aware that he is a douchebag, and uh, I'll tell you what, man, it's it's something that's kind of awe-inspiring to me how much heat these guys are able to get on social media. Like, it doesn't even have to do something that they, that they do in the ring. And, and you know what? Kudos to them. Joey Janela's getting interaction from people uh, in, in wrestling without actually wrestling a match. Kudos to him. I think that's absolutely outstanding. What I will also add is that, yes, you're right. He is an absolute douche. But, bro, who's not taking that bet? We all know <laughs> the history of Sonny. We all know the history of Sonny. As a matter of fact, your boy, right after uh, Backlash ended, uh, we decided to watch a little Royal Rumble, and bro, we were watching Royal Rumble 1994, and I'm not sure what part of her career this was, but she was regulated, or relegated, I should say, relegated to officiating a mini luchador match during this Royal Rumble event. She didn't accompany Shawn Michaels, she didn't accompany anybody in the ring. She wasn't there with LOD, she was officiating a mini lucha match. I couldn't believe it. I was like, who did Tammy not blow? Did she forget to do it? Or what? Because she was refereeing a mini lucha match, bro. What the hell? I couldn't understand it. I was like, yeah. wow. I wonder what was the storyline that landed Sunny in this gem of a match. It was crazy. And you know what? The guy's probably right. The poor girl, she's had a rough go with it. Let's hope that that doesn't happen. But if we're talking place to bets, Joe... I'm not taking that bet. I'm pretty sure she's going to be back in the slammer before the end of 2020. I'm sorry, but that's just the way. That's what history tells me. And it's unfortunate, yeah. but it's true. Very, very true. It is. It, it, it definitely, definitely, truly is. Um, so the other thing that I wanted to uh, get in into, and, and then, you know, we can see, uh, uh, get some some of these callers. You want to call in? Eight fools. The uh, number is 657-383-1521. That's 657-383-1521. And this is something we haven't actually been able to talk about yet. Uh, we, we've been running to, but we're so busy we haven't had a chance to. And this is the fact that Combat Zone Wrestling has been getting a lot of heat over the names of their pay-per-views. Now, what has happened right. is Combat Zone Wrestling sold the rights to their pay-per-views to another group. And these groups are putting on uh, monthly pay-per-views, but they're changing the names of the pay-per-views. For instance, they do a lot of uh, women uh, extreme wrestling, and usually it's just women extreme wrestling and then another title. But these people have changed the title to Big Chested Bimbos and, and so a lot of the female wrestlers are insanely pissed off because of the fact that this company is is putting out these 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 videos with these titles that are leading fans to believe that these wrestlers are you know like porn stars or something. Um, for instance, one of them, Kimberly. That should help, that should help with ratings. 
that yeah. with Ray. So one of them, Kimberly, who actually wrestled in the WWE for NXT, says, uh, I'm certain I never signed an agreement giving you the right to sell my intellectual property, nor did any of the women you did your disrespecting or how told us that she wouldn't book us. And then there's another lady that says, did that hit hard? I won't book you on my show because I don't find you, excuse my French, fuckable. <laughs> One of the main reasons I called you while still a student. And, of course, what does Joey Janela do? Since we're still talking about Joey Janela, he comes back and he says, I was wondering if you guys had any information how I can rent Bitchin' in the Kitchen, Killers in the Ring, and Big Chester Kirby Female Fighters Go to housewives to hot hardcore grapplers. Thanks. Jesus Christ, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez Louise. And by the way, Susie, uh, I know you, you sent me a couple of voice messages. I clearly can't listen to those right now. Uh, but type it out, and uh, if you have something that is relevant to the show, I'll be more than happy to respond. But, bro, you know what? People are going to do what they do. And to be honest with you, yeah, I do think it's a little disrespectful, especially because of how far professional uh, wrestling has gone for women, especially in the last, you know, five to seven years. But, bro, you mm-hmm. can't tell me that ain't funny. I mean, come on, right? <laughs> Is it wrong to laugh about that now? Is it like, you know, I don't know. I just, I don't want to get canceled or whatever. But I, I think that's hilarious, though it is very, very disrespectful. And, and it's unfortunate because, like you said, for some of these women, this is this is their life's work, right? And then for somebody to take it and make a mockery of it this way, I think it's a tough pill to swallow. But at the same time, I do have people, um, <laughs> I do have other people asking me, Joe, if you could please share the link. So there's that. <laughs> people want to see it. People want to see it, bro. Give, give us those names again, those pay-per-views again, one more time. What were the name of those pay-per-views? Um. It, it, it's stuff like uh, big chested bimbos, and and it's like anything derogatory that that is to a, a a a woman. And I understand why that they're doing it because you know if you are searching through like in demand and you see big chested bimbos, especially if you're you're like sixteen, seventeen year, years old, you don't care how much it costs, you're gonna click on it, you know. <laughs> so. I get it. And I'll tell you what, somebody's going to hear about it here on the show, and they're going to go look for it. So I guess <laughs> it worked. <laughs> I guess it worked. All right, so two major debates that I want to bring up. Number one, I know this is not wrestling related, unless you're talking about Poutang pie. Thank you, The Rock. Okay? What is the best kind of pie? We want you to call it and cut a promo on what the best kind of pie is. Cherry pie. Talk family. Well, we're going to talk about that, Joe, because we already had Robert say apple. But I want to hear somebody call in and cut a promo on why their favorite kind of pie is the best kind of pie. Robert said apple. You said apple too, right? No, I said cherry. There's no debate. Cherry pie. You don't get any more American than cherry pie. Well, is it the same, though, as American as apple pie? Isn't that the same? No, cherry pie. Okay, well, that's that's how the saying goes. Pecan pie is my second favorite, but I want to I want to see if you guys can do us a favor and dial 657-383-1521. And we also want to know, this is worth debating as well, was Edge 
versus Randy Orton, the greatest wrestling match ever. Because when you put a label on a match like that, that's a lot to live up to. And usually, I reserve my opinion till the end, but I'm going to give you guys my opinion because we got 10, 15 minutes to talk to you guys here during the high spot segment. Which, by the way, go get yourself that mug over at WrestleTalkPodcast.com. 20 bucks plus shipping with your name engraved on it. And here's my take on it. Yes, it was. But in the WWE universe, it was the greatest wrestling match of all time. Yes. In the WWE universe. Now, I'm, 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 I'm prefacing it and adding that caveat to it. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is within this universe, this, this alternate universe that they create, which is the WWE universe, okay, it was, because this is all fairly new. The WWE universe has been around 10, 20 years, maybe, maybe less, I don't know, but when you talk about taking two Hall of Famers, I know Edge isn't in the Hall of Fame, but it's a foregone conclusion. The impact of his return, the fact that Randy's still as good as he is this many years into his career, I think that's mm-hmm. probably the best professional wrestling match that they could have put together with what they have today. Yes. Now, you could say, well, Renee, what if they had Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles or something like that? Those guys could have had the greatest professional wrestling match ever, but they didn't. Randy Orton and Edge did. And I don't want anybody to try to call in and make the assertion that the match was boring. Because if you thought the match was boring, then you weren't looking for a pro wrestling match. You were looking for leg slap university, okay, to take a line from Randy Orton. As far as traditional pro wrestling, the little I've been able to learn over the last couple of years, that is probably the best professional wrestling match that you're going to get from the WWE. I'm not saying it's the greatest pro wrestling match. Some people could say, hey, you know what? What about Omega and Okada? You know? There's a lot of other matches that can be brought up, Joe, but for what they have to offer, and as far as they sway from professional wrestling to the point where they don't even like to say wrestling anymore, up until recently, kudos to them, because it was always sports entertainment, sports entertainment. I applaud them for that, and I really do believe it is the greatest pro wrestling match, maybe not ever, but that they could presently bring us as fans who have an appreciation for what pro wrestling used to be. Quite frankly, I don't know if there's two better people to have done it. And you know what? For people who get mad about WWE going from story down to storyline, We've been we we had this thing going since January between Orton and Edge. So the the in ring action was absolutely incredible, far exceeded almost anyone's expectations. You come to you come to find out that uh, Edge had a torn ligament somewhere along uh, the line inside that match in the six yeah. months of build up that they gave you. This is about as best as they can do to tell a traditional professional wrestling story in a match. So am I going to go 100% ham and agree that this is the greatest professional 
wrestling match ever? No. But within their confines, within the WWE universe, I think it is. I don't think they could have done a better job. They picked the, picked the two perfect guys over a long period of time, and the match did not disappoint. It was wildly entertaining, and it really felt like a throwback. I mean, you heard them say it. This feels like, you know, uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus Ric Flair. Like, it had those vibes. Yeah. I dare anybody to call in and dispute my point, or if you agree, let's hear from you. 657-383-1521. And, again, we've also got the heated debate going about what the best pie is. Josie, somebody just did a run-in with Lemon Meringue. I think we should boo them out of the building. Get out of here. Lemon Meringue isn't even in the top five best pies of all time. Get out of here. That's nonsense. I don't want to hear any more of that. <laughs> what else we got, Jonesy? Oh, man, you know, there's, there is so much stuff that, that we could talk about. You know, you were talking about the uh, Edge versus Randy Orton match. I would have to say that the weirdest match that we saw from Backlash was the match between the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits. Like, what the hell was that? Like, people... Bro, like Viking went... Profits. The Viking <laughs> Profits. They went nuts. They, they, they were like, what the hell <laughs> am I watching? Like, like it, it started off as a regular wrestling match, and then they had bowling, and then they had freaking seven-foot-tall ninjas and tentacles and... What's the, <laughs> I don't know what that what exactly is is going on. I would rather see a actual match between those two for the title. But I will say it's entertaining, and that's what WWE is looking for. They are looking to entertain, and it was definitely an entertaining match. So, what were your thoughts on on that match or Bro, that I segment? I do. I love it so much, and it's like um, it's like WWE felt like they had to respond to Stadium Stampede, and they did a tremendous yes. job. I, I I thought it was great. It was super fun. It extends the story uh, between these two very credible tag teams. And and let's be honest, as much talent as they have on their roster, Joe, right off the top of your head, can you name me another viable tag team on the Raw brand? Um, Austin Theory and, uh, no, not, not, yep, Austin Theory and, uh, Buddy Murphy. Okay, there's, and some would argue that that's not necessarily a viable tag team, but okay, I'll give you that one. Can you name one more? Tough, huh? Real tough. Well, that's what I'm saying. We know that nothing comes to the top of our minds. Maybe uh, the Authors of Pain will be back sometime soon. I don't know. That'd be cool to see. Maybe the Usos will be back. They'll come back on Raw. That'd be cool to see. But I know uh, Jimmy's on his way to recovery. Uh, recently had surgery. Get well soon. Uh, Jimmy Uso. Um, but you know what, dude? The fact that they don't have an overabundance of great – well, not say they, – they do have great guys. I don't just – I just don't think they have great tag teams. The fact that they're able to extend this story – have them kind of become allies halfway through. I think it's going to give us a great buildup to what I would imagine would be a Raw Tag Team Championship match at Extreme Rules. Does that not feel like what's build, building up to, Jonesy? Because I think that's what it's building up to. Yes. Uh, I, I would definitely agree that that is what they are building up to it. And, you know, in, until then, I'm, I am totally happy 
with you know what 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 they've been doing. I just want to know who the hell that seven foot tall ninja was. <laughs> Bro, he, <laughs> he looked like Shaq. <laughs> he was a freaking he monster. Like Man, he looked like Shaq. Uh, well, hey, Josie. Tap, tap yeah. intern Timmy on the shoulder real quick, bro, because before we move on, we do have a little bit of breaking news. So if you could do me a favor, man, and hit that breaking news drop, we've got some news to share here tonight with the members of the Wrestle Talk family for episode 302. Okay, intern Timmy, can you hit that? All right, so intern Timmy is telling me that for some reason the, the breaking news drop was deleted for some reason. Intern Timmy's about to be fired. You you do no no I, listen I don't think it was intern Timmy I don't think it was intern Timmy I think it was blog talk and their shenanigans once again well anyway let me go ahead and give you guys the news anyway and we're gonna get all the audio stuff fixed this week right Jonesy this week yeah right away need to get that fixed okay excellent so here it is according to reports ladies and gentlemen there has been a confirmed case of COVID nineteen at the performance center. Yes. Meaning that the tapings that were supposed to happen this evening were canceled. That's right. The tapings were canceled. This is via mandatory.com um, and also via WrestleZone. Okay? Now, on the same day, okay, <laughs> they reported that WWE is preparing to hold live events by the end of the summer. So I don't know which report came first, but I'm telling you right now, it's going to be a bumpy road through the end of 2020. So I don't know what tapings not happening on Tuesday means for Friday, because, you know, I know that there's stuff that's going on and, and being recorded that will be that will air on Friday. I know some of it will be live, but, you know, they, they do a lot of the, the taping, right, the, the, the vignettes, uh, the backstage promos. Uh, some of the matches that we've been seeing that are clearly pre-recorded and being played during the live airways. So just stay stay tuned. We're going to keep you guys updated through our social media platforms. So I know that it felt like COVID-19 was a thing of the past. Let me uh, use this uh, breaking news as an opportunity to remind everybody that we just need to be careful, okay? Make sure you're washing your hands. Yeah, if you feel so inclined to do so, make sure you wear a mask. Uh, you know, to try to avoid... Uh, you know, gatherings of, uh, of of excess amounts of people. Uh, I know people are expressing their First Amendment right right now, uh, fighting for, for for their rights on several different fronts. Uh, but let's just not forget, guys, over 120,000 people have died because of COVID-19. So as much as I would love to pretend like none of that's happening, we have to be realistic and uh, take the precautions that, uh, that are being recommended uh, so that we can all continue to, to live healthy and happy. And uh, and enjoy pro wrestling, the sport that we love so much. So I uh, hope that doesn't bring us down. But I wanted to share that news uh, with the members of the Wrestle Talk podcast, Jonesy. And we'll get the uh, the drops fixed by next week. We promise. Yes. Yeah. That that is 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 definitely uh, unfortunate. With with the uh, somebody uh, came down with with the COVID nineteen. So it's going to be interesting next couple of weeks and see. What exactly that the WWE has in store, but ladies and gentlemen, our first guest is here. So Renee, why don't you uh, do what you do best and enter and introduce our first guest? Absolutely, man. It's going to be a pleasure to do so. And I'll tell you what, guys, 
this tour of the United States has taken us to a lot of places. To this point, we're almost 30 states deep into WrestleTalk Podcast professional wrestling tour across America. This week, we have an opportunity to talk to a gentleman that is an avid sports fan. Roller derby, hockey, but of course, the reason you guys are all here, professional wrestling. Now, what makes him so incredible is that many of us who are in the professional wrestling business, you guys know I'm a commentator, Joe is a professional wrestling referee, have not been able to get back to work. But our next guest, the MK Bandit, is coming off of his first show in 90 days, and he is on fire, he is excited, and you know what? He's representing the great state of Utah. What could be better than that? Ladies and gentlemen, it is an honor and a pleasure to introduce and welcome in for the very first time to the Wrestle Talk Podcast, the MK Bandit, Matthew I'm doing wonderful. I want to thank you guys for taking the time to talk to me. This is an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much. The the honor is ours. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start this off. And I'm going to ask you this question because it has nothing to do with pro wrestling, but it has to do with one of my favorite bands of all time. So it is my understanding that you bought a a gold Kiss record from Eric Singer's sister. How did you make that possible? <laughs> so what happened, it, it, was, it was, here's what happened, it was Eric Carr, and um, as, as you know, he passed away a while ago, and yeah. what happened is I was at a KISS convention, and nice. his, sister, his sister was there and had uh, all this you know, very personal stuff laid out there, and mm-hmm. she was selling all of his gold records. So literally, um, you know, there's only four. And yeah. I, I was, I just couldn't walk away without one. And right? and so I asked her, yeah. And so I asked her, you know, why are you selling these? These are so personal. And she told me something so special that makes me feel so special to actually own one. What she said is, she said, you know, if we had this in a special room, or we had this in in the in a, a garage or something like that, slowly but surely, Eric's legacy dies. But if we sell it to a fan who loves Eric's music, who loves Kiss, it will live forever. And the fact that you brought this up is proof positive of that. And so I literally have that in my office, and it is Eric Carr's bold record. And I also have uh, several gloves that he wore on stage and things of that nature. And, and I'm happy to say that her idea worked. He's living on through all of us. That is true. That is, is 
absolutely true. Now, you don't actually you you weren't just a a, a pro wrestling manager and and a promoter, but you have been active in sports since you were like eight years old. You know, you you helped your your high school win the Utah State Hockey Championship. You uh, play and you coach competitive slow pitch softball. How do you make time to do all of these sports and be a promoter of professional wrestling? You know what? I, I you have to make time for the things that are important in your life, and I'm in the very unique position right now to where my children are in their twenties. I'm divorced. And so, you know, without those pressures, like I could not have done this 15 years ago. So without those pressures, I dedicate literally from the time I get up to the time I go to bed, I am dedicating myself to one project or another. And that's what makes me happy. And I don't know what – that's why the it was so hard during the lockdown is it was hard to stay motivated. It was hard mm-hmm. to – to keep those creative juices flowing in that because I'm so used to traveling to, to uh, writing, to doing things of, of that yeah. nature. And uh, I'm just glad that the world's starting to get back to normal because I'm, I'm starting to feel normal and more like myself. Ah, gotcha. So basically what, what you're saying is that you're just another version of the night owl. Now, some of you don't know, but the night owl, I don't know how he does it, but this, the, the night owl, like, he devotes his time to wrestling, to the podcast, to his family, to his work. I don't know how that he does it. How do you do it, Night Owl? How do you do it? Lots and lots of cerveza. That's how. <laughs> <laughs> lots and lots of cold cervezas, bro. That's it. That, and let's be honest, bro, I, I came from literally nothing. You couldn't find the town I was born in on a map. That's true, by the way. Okay. And now I'm blessed. I have so many great opportunities, so many great relationships. We continue to make new ones every single week, like by talking to Matt here and talking to Tom Simon a little bit later on in tonight's show. And to be honest with you, bro, I've always wanted to do this when I was growing up. I wanted to be Stuart Scott in ESPN and talk sports, much like uh, our friend here, uh, Matthew Robles. So I get to do what I love. My family supports me. And guess what? I'm only 36. So I'm relatively young. I still got a lot of energy, got a lot of gold, and it's, it's really an honor to be able to work with you, Joe, and to have illustrious guests like Matthew Robles yeah. on the show tonight, man. It's 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 really a pleasure. It really is. Labor well, love. The, Labor and love. And that's the thing. We're 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 blessed. And that's that's my biggest fear. Is it's it's like I use the analogy of working out. That that it seems like if you if you stop if you stop working out one day there's an excuse. The next day it gets a little harder to go back to the gym. Then the third day you kind of forgot about working out. And so it's kind of the same thing with these projects. If you're on top of it and you keep going, you take advantage of all your blessings and all your opportunities. Once that train gets going, it's not easy, but it's, it's fairly in the flow of, of keeping things going. But once you stop, it's very difficult to get started. So, once I got started and recognized all my opportunities as blessings and recognized all my opportunities as the opportunity of a lifetime and putting everything into it, it, it just keeps you going. That motivation keeps you going. That, that's what keeps you going. And that's why I think a lot of people 
fell into depression, fell into a lot of bad stuff during the lockdown because the whole world came to a screeching halt. Absolutely. I, I, I could not agree more. And I have one more question, and then I'm going to send it to Renee because I don't want to ask all of the questions. And this last question is, uh, you were actually a child performer with a group called the Carousel Kids uh, on, on a yep. local Utah television show. Can you tell us about the Carousel Kids? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was wonderful. Um, I was a little kid. My mother took me one summer to singing lessons at the library, and there were free song and dance lessons. And, you know, at the time, that was, sounded like a lot of fun to me. Well, the lady who ran the program was very smart because she rented the library room, and she would use the free song and dance lesson as an audition for the Carousel Kids. And so she would pick out of those free song and dance lessons she would pick a few of us to be part of the troupe. And so you started out as an understudy. You know, she talked to my mom, said, we like to perform. You started out as an understudy. You learned all the routines. And, you know, we've all been to the amusement parks, and there's always that center stage where there's, there's groups of people singing and dancing. And you know, yeah. I think you all know what I'm talking about. That's what I was. And so I got to go to Kings Island, Ohio, Lagoon here in, in Utah, Disneyland, Disney World, Knott's Berry Farms, you know, and got to see the world. That gave me a sense of theater. That gave me a sense of how to perform in front of a crowd. That led to other opportunities, commercials, the theater, things of that nature that I never realized were so important to professional wrestling until I got into professional wrestling. And so that was kind of, to be honest with you, when people say, when did when did you start in professional wrestling? I'm going to say as a song and dance person, because that's where I first learned how to perform. Wow. That is, is awesome. So you can basically say that you've been doing this since you were a little kid. All right, Renee, I know you've been chomping at the bit, so the floor is yours to ask whatever questions that you want to, so. You got it, man. Thank you very much. Those were some great questions. Uh, shout out to my boy Decky checking in from the great state of Colorado. Also, Allen's, aka Big Al, checking in from the great state of Missouri. Man, we're glad to have uh, both of you guys here on the show. And uh, Larry, also here from uh, from beautiful St. Louis. Uh, so, my first question to you, Matt, is uh, pretty simple. Um, you, I think you heard our conversation when we when you were on uh, in, in the green room, I should say, and we were talking about the greatest wrestling match ever how did you feel about them promoting that match that way and do you think it lived up to the hype i'm curious to hear your thoughts i i think it was i think i think you have to always do something special and i think that you have to generate a build and talk about a match and the one way to do it is to make outlandish claims and it's a pretty bold outlandish claim to say the greatest wrestling match ever. And what that means is that the powers that be had an incredible amount of trust in those two individuals to deliver. Because when you think about it, 
they don't have to have the greatest wrestling match ever. They just have to deliver and, and, and literally be entertaining and do their job. And once they've done that, the hype has done its part. You've done your part. And quite frankly, the fact that we're talking about it and the fact that social media's a fire with talk about it means that as a whole, that whole thing did its job. And so I would say job well done. Oh, my gosh. I completely agree. And my argument was simple. For what they can offer with what they have today with the current product, that felt like a little bit of a throwback, did it not? I mean, you've been around the business since the 80s. So, like, yeah, they did a damn good job. And you know what? The greatest match ever, no matter who you are, is subjective. Okay? It's so subjective. There's no way to really define the greatest professional wrestling match ever unless you're creating a list of parameters that define it, but anyone could create a different list. Wouldn't you agree with that, Matthew? I mean, it's like it's kind of hard to pinpoint one specific match. No, that's exactly right, because it goes to greatest anything ever. You know, my dad dad and I used to argue over who was the greatest heavyweight champion ever. You know, he would say Joe Lewis, because that's what he grew up watching or listening to on the radio. I would say Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson, and, you know, that argument goes on and on. I just thought it was really – I really believe that it was, it was a smart move and it was a bold move because now you can't do that every year. You can't do that every two years. But the fact right. that they had really never made that type of a claim before was a really good ace in the hole for them. And it, it, it's what needed to happen to make the event be an event. And they absolutely did that. No question about it. They delivered. And, again, it is completely subjective in the fact that we're talking about it. Mission accomplished. So let's move over to something that's not subjective, something that has been proven by science. And we were having this conversation earlier because I celebrated my birthday just yesterday. And my wife brought me my favorite pie, which happens to be the best pie ever, which is key lime pie. What's your stance on how great key lime pie is? Or if you want to disagree, that's fine, but I'd rather hear you tell me how great key lime pie is. Key lime pie is the intercontinental champion, but it's going to always job to lemon meringue. Oh, no, not another lemon meringue person. No. (laughs) (laughs) Got him. Got him.
and uh, and how engulfed I was in pro wrestling at the time. Also, a few years ago when I started going to independent wrestling shows, let's call it 2015 to 2016, memorable will always stay with me forever. You had a moment like that a while back, and you more or less crossed something major off of your bucket list by getting an opportunity to not only visit, but to perform in the ECW arena. Can you please yep. share that experience with the listeners of the WrestleTalk family? Oh, I mean, it was it was amazing. First, because I didn't actually realize I would be performing in the arena. Um, as many of you know or don't know, uh, I managed Bubba Ray Dudley to his fifth world title in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And um, so Bubba and I, you know, talked and talked business, and we worked together for half a year. You know what I mean? And through that, Tommy Dreamer came into – knowing who I was, and I performed with him. And then he gave me an opportunity and called me and asked me to come perform um, at House of Hardcore. He had seen what I had done across the country. At the time, my character was a sports agent, an evil attorney type guy, and he had an idea that he wanted to use. So the, the basics of it were to come to Freehold, New Jersey, and essentially try out and uh, – and if you can do good there, then we'll put you on the next show. And if you do good there, then you put them in the next show. And he reminded me of a phrase that Paul Heyman had talked to him about, which was Paul Heyman entered every performance as an audition for his next performance. So I showed up with my bags at Freehold, New Jersey, and one of my very good friends, Michael Kaufman, drove me there, um, scared shitless, not knowing what I was going to do because it's a totally new character that I knew nothing about. And Tommy dreamer told me what I was going to do. Um, basically they, they brought me into the business the right way and um, had, had the rock and roll express double drop kick me and Sandman break a cane on my stomach. And, and I earned my stripes there when I got to the back Tommy said, I got a, got a, a spot for you tomorrow night in the show in Philly. And when I immediately wow. started thinking, yeah, I started thinking about it, and I actually started going through the network, on the WWE network, on the shows that I knew I was at in that arena, and I found where I was actually sitting. So one of the first things I did after I walked into the arena and shook all the boys' hands is I went to where I was actually sitting at those different events and looked at the ring and just absorbed the fact that I will, I will be in that ring. And what freaked me out more than anything is looking at the run sheet, I'm with Tommy Dreamer and Joey Mercury in the main event. What? So, yeah. So I went from indie guy with limited experience to immediately going to becoming a major player in a run where a feud erupts between Joey Mercury and Tommy Dreamer and I'm the leader of the of the heel faction. Nice. <laughs> and you when you get up there in the and me and my buddies, uh, we were at a bar afterwards and his girlfriend Dawn held up the the video that she had taken. And I looked at that and all I could think of is that's me. 
And it didn't hit me until I saw myself on that phone that I actually just went in the ring and and did something in the ECW arena. And not only that, I'm coming back for a bunch of more shows. It was it was an experience, and it made me realize this is why we all do this. This is what we do. Professional wrestling is probably, of all the sports that I've been involved with, is probably the most satisfying on a night-by-night basis and has the best emotional payoff for me. Well, wow, man. I'm telling you, you're telling these stories and – you know, I'm getting chills, not not so much because of the content, but because of the excitement. I can tell there for a moment you kind of put yourself back in that in that place. And what an oh, yeah. incredible experience. What an incredible experience. And the fact that you so vividly are able to share it, even though that was a little while ago, that's pretty awesome, man. What, what a, a fantastic well, memory. And, and how great is it to be able to, to reach those heights? House of Hardcore is a big deal, ladies and gentlemen, in case you didn't know. And if I'm not mistaken, House of Hardcore, House of, uh, um, Hardcore is now owned by Master P. Am I wrong, Joe? Is no, right? it, is, it is owned by Tommy Dreamer. Owns Tommy Dream, it is Tommy Dreamer's brainchild, and uh, he, he runs it. He owns it. He, he books it. He's the star. And he, if there's a more amazing individual in professional wrestling – then Vince McMahon, I would say it's Tommy Dreamer. The guy is incredible. And, and the more I've interacted with him, the more I speak with him. I, 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 you know, him and Bubba, you know, I owe, I owe like everything to those guys. They've, they've really been good. They've really taken care of me. And it's Tommy Dreamer. He's, he's put that thing together from nothing, and he's kept it together. And he's created careers. If it wasn't for Tommy Dreamer, I would have never been an impact. If it wasn't, you know, it's just, it's just he's so smart in how he books, too, because he, took, he takes guys and sees what they can do and, and puts them in the right situation to where you can't fail, which is very difficult to do in this business. Um, I always felt comfortable with him because he always put me in a position to where I could succeed. And that's something that I learned from him in evaluating talent is don't look at someone as, wow, that guy can't throw a hip toss or his strikes are weak. Well, that just means don't put him in a position to where he has to throw strikes or do a hip toss. Find out what he does and put him in that situation. That's the art of booking. The art of booking isn't finding the most incredible talent and putting him as a champion. Anybody can do that. Anybody can pick out Hulk Hogan and say the key is to find – what rough and tumble group of guys that you had, what you have, and put each of them in the best situation to succeed, and that's the mentality that you have to have. That was the ECW mentality, and that's the mentality that you have to have the book today. No doubt about it. And uh, thank you, Inter Timmy. I just got a, a message in my messenger, and, I, and forgive me for misspeaking, Master P, back in October of 2018, purchased House of Glory, not House of Hardcore. My bad. Correct. I apologize. I misspoke. I wanted to make sure that I made that 100% crystal clear. And you're right. You're right. Tommy Dreamer is the brainchild owner, 
Booker and the man in charge, and he deserves every last bit of ounce of respect from everybody for doing what he's done. Not throughout his, not only throughout his career as an in-ring competitor. I had the the very very fortunate uh, opportunity to watch him against one of our local favorites here a few years ago at Metro Pro Wrestling uh, in uh, in Kansas City, Kansas against Mark Sterling. And that was such a fun match. They did the deal, and I'd never seen this before, uh, Matt. They went into the crowd, and Tommy Dreamer ripped Mark Sterling's shirt off and was letting kids chop him in the crowd. Yep. It was so great. And you know what? They didn't do one flip. They didn't do one move off the top rope, and they might have not even done a hip toss. So to your point, you're 100% right. Being a manager, a booker, an owner, your position isn't to have a bunch of all-stars. It's what to do with everyone who isn't an all-star and putting them in a position to be successful. I don't think I could have said it any better. Well, and that's what you've got to realize. In professional wrestling, everybody has a role. Everybody has a role from the, the ring crew to the, the, the person running the music. Everybody is important. If it isn't for every one of those people with the heart and the passion doing what they do, an independent professional wrestling event cannot come off the ground. And the failure to recognize the importance of every single individual in that building helping you is the failure of most independent wrestling promoters. And I believe you. Well, real quick, before we move on here, uh, you're getting a big shout-out from your homie, Chief. And he says, hey, guys, great show tonight. Please tell Matt Robles much love from the Chief. And he works back to the Chief. Oh, yeah. I love Chief, man. I love. That's the weirdest thing about being a heel these days is the, 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 the industry is kind of exposed. And so uh, a guy I love, like the Chief, you know, he'll be the one that throws the most crap at me and yells the worst at me. <laughs> He's the first to grab me a beer after the show. <laughs> Gotta love that camaraderie, man. No, nothing beats it. Well, uh, before I throw it back to Joe, I had one last question, and it pertains yes, to the Cauliflower Alley Club, an organization that all three of us have great reverence for. Uh, Joe actually got his membership for the very first time this year. And, uh, and I think it's one of the best decisions he ever made. I'm getting ready to, to get that done myself personally. And I know that, um, you know, you're, you've got your ear to the ground over there because you co-host the Cauliflower Alley Club podcast. I don't know how the hell you landed that gig, but I'm extremely jealous. You and Jim Valley talk to us a little bit about hosting that podcast and some of the stuff that you guys have been able to cover because, you know, as, as recently here as uh, June 10th, we had a uh, an unfortunate loss to the pro wrestling community yeah. as uh, Mr. Wrestling 2, a.k.a. Johnny Walker, passed away. So talk to us about the podcast, what that experience has been like, and uh, some of the things that you've been able to kind of help fans get through um, hosting the podcast. Because I know a lot of people hold the Cauliflower Alley Club in very, very high regard, including uh, Joe and myself. Yeah, I mean, first off, the Cauliflower Alley Club um, is a benevolent organization. None of us have pro wrestling insurance. None of us have, uh, you, know, you, know, you know, health insurance through some organization like the NFL or something. 
So the first and foremost thing that people got to realize is, you know, you have to respect and understand that if it wasn't for those of us that are veterans that went through the road before us and protected the business, none of us would be here talking about the business. And those, some of those gentlemen are in need, and some of those women are in need, excuse me. Um, and and so, so by joining the Cauliflower Alley Club, that money goes directly to those professional wrestlers that paved the way for all of us to be here. And that's the message that we're trying to get out. Number one, it's a fun podcast because we get to talk to a lot of really good people like Medusa and uh, uh, Dr. Death, David Schultz, and people like that. But, but in, in reality, the organization is wonderful because it helps the professional wrestlers that are in need that helped us. It's Matt Robles being able to give to the man, give to the women who went before him, paved the road for me to make a living doing this. And everybody out there, fan, worker, ring crew member, can help by joining. And that's the message we get out. And then with Jim Valley, no one is more professional. The guy's done it all. He's so smart. He's got so much knowledge. And so I just sit back and listen to him. For me, it's easy. It just, it's just, it's just, there's going nothing school, easier man. than working with Jim Valley. Yeah, it's like going to school, isn't it? That must be incredible. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah, and that's the thing is I can listen to him for hours. So sometimes the only hard part about me is I get a little mesmerized by his knowledge and his ability <laughs> to run a, uh, uh, you know, his ability to run an interview to where it's like, oh, shoot, he's dropping to me. I better, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I absolutely understand. And you know what? That's how I feel getting a chance to work with one of the best podcasters in the game over all these years. You know, we did just celebrate episode 300 here on the Russell Talk podcast, Matt. And if it wasn't for our founder, Nightmare Jones, man, we would have never made it this far. So I know exactly how you feel. Yeah, that's amazing. That's great. I mean, that's congratulations. That's, that's unbelievable. I mean, and to be as popular as you guys are, hats off to you. Nah, man, it's only because we have great guests just like you. Josie, jump <laughs> back in here, baby. I know you got a couple more. I know we're a little tight on the time or what have you, but we got to get a uh, shoot and shout in because I feel like there's plenty of reasons to go off a little bit tonight on episode 302 of the Wrestle Talk podcast. What you got for us, Joe? I do, I do. So uh, you were actually a roller derby referee for the Salt Lake City Derby Girls from 2007 to 2010. You know, they actually named their bank track, the Bandit Bank Track, after you. How does it feel to have that kind of accomplishment, and how did you get into roller derby? That's awesome. Well, I mean, quite... Yeah, quite frankly, um, back in the day of MySpace, you know, you know, you're a pro wrestling fan. There was no, there, there was no um, pro wrestling in Utah, so you kind of look for that extreme sport. I saw an ad for Salt City Derby Girls. I showed up because I have experience in competitive sports, former professional athlete, this, that, the other thing. At the time, trained to be a professional wrestler, and I met Rebecca Rendon, who was the owner and the leader of the group, and it was a lifelong friendship with her. She's actually now my secretary and my uh, project coordinator, 
And when time came to go from flat track to bank track, they had a need. I had some, I had, I, I helped get together the money to purchase and build the bank track. And it was, it was something that, that, that I, I look back very fondly in my, in my life, but I'm kind of glad it's over. <laughs> nice. I hear that. <laughs> Not easy being yeah, a roller derby referee, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Now, my last question, and then we'll throw it to Manet and see what other last questions that he has. You were a ring announcer and backstage personality for American Extreme Wrestling. You know, you directed all of their promotional videos. You you published over 79 videos on YouTube, has over 14,000 views. You know, uh, can you tell us a little bit about AXW? Yeah, uh, American Extreme Wrestling started here in Salt Lake City. Uh, there was a, a very indie promotion that kind of went out of business, so the wrestlers didn't have a place to work. A couple of gentlemen uh, started putting on shows in a local bar. I was a, I was a fan in, that sta- in the stands. Um, about 11 years ago, I met their, their owner, a gentleman by the name of Con Tushin. Um, he knew my ability as an announcer and, and, and kind of brought me in. And we, we drew up plans for a wrestling ring and provided a comeback. And, and as things go, just like, you know, you know, you know, the pro wrestling phrase is, you know, you know, people will say, that's not my job. That's my responsibility. Well, everything is your responsibility in an independent wrestling company. And they needed someone to start producing videos. They needed someone to start doing things of that nature. And you got to understand, you know, 11 years ago, YouTube was very fledgling and that was about the only format we had. And so I basically taught myself how to edit videos, taught myself how to put together videos and, and, and started and understanding that pro wrestling is about stories and not moves. We started putting together continuous storylines and we continued that once AXW went out of business, we went. We, we basically took that same philosophy, and I hooked up with some very wonderful gentlemen from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and we started Destiny Wrestling Organization, and you basically continued it there. That's awesome. That is and, and absolutely. Now done, well, well, and now, now, if I may, in Salt Lake City, a gentleman uh, named Manny Lemons has taken the torch if you say, not that I needed to pass it on. He did this all on his own. I, I didn't really assist in this. He just did it. He started Devotion Championship Wrestling here in Salt Lake. He wrangled Vince Russo to be our writer, and now we're on TV. Congratulations, man. That's incredible. Yeah. That is That's awesome. awesome. So great. All right. And, well, and the thing that's cool about Oh, watch it, go ahead. No, go right ahead, sir. I was just going to say, and then, you know, we kind of led into this, and, and I might be stealing some of the thunder, but, I mean, you got to understand that, that, that how important it was this last Saturday that we put on a show for the fans in Salt Lake City, and not just the, for the fans, but for the performers. Guys like myself, I hadn't performed in 90 days. We brought in Sin Bodie, former Kazari, from, from um, Las Vegas, and we had a socially responsible, 
social distance show, and it was a tremendous success. And I have to shout out to Manny Lemons and give him credit to have the huevos to do that because a lot of people gave him crap and didn't think he'd pull it off, but he did, and he's successful. And we got another show coming up on July 11th. Wow. Well, you know what, Jonesy, I have to say, and I try to save this for, like, only the most important moments, but he said Manny Lemons had the waybos to run a show, <laughs> and it was a huge success, and they observed social distancing. Enter Timmy, do me a favor, and hit that Mexican yell. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, no problem. Well, listen, we are so happy, bro, that you're finally back to doing what you love. I know there's so much stuff that we could talk about, man. We could have probably spent 30 minutes just talking about the show uh, this past Saturday, and you said you guys have got another one coming up. We're going to let you plug that heavy, yeah. but I want to ask you to see if we can get some of that MK Bandit flavor before we let you go. So tonight... We're getting ready to transition into the Wrestle Talk podcast shoot and shout segment. Nightmare Jones will explain. Okay. There's even some music involved. And more okay. or less, it's a little bit of a therapeutic session. Is it not, Jonesy? Why don't you tell Matt all about it? All right. Yeah. So basically what it is is we're going to play a little bit of music, and then I'm going to go, and then Renee's going to go, and then you're going to go last, and you can talk about – Whatever you want to talk about, whatever is grinding your gears, whatever is pissing you off. So, Intern Timmy, go ahead and hit that music. Championship, but it's the uh, Universal Championship. I have the Undertaker Legacy title, and I just got the big gold. Okay, so you got five full-size, full-weight championships. Now, I don't want to put your business out on the street, but I'm guessing each one of these belts probably costs well over $300. Is that accurate? Um, The one belt I got for Christmas, the one belt was like 140 and the other two were... Yeah, about that, yeah, yeah. About that, okay, so pretty much all of them are 300 plus. Okay, 
fight. So here's my shooting shout for tonight. If my man Josie takes some time out of his day to share with you guys the belt collection that he has, be grateful. Don't start talking about, oh, where's your smoking skull belt, dude? Bro, how come you don't own the Millionaire's Championship? Forcing Nightmare Jones to say, you know what? I don't particularly like those belts, and if I did, I might add them to my collection at a later date. The lack of appreciation and dissatisfaction from today's pro wrestling fans is ridiculous. There's an old saying, I'm born 1984, I'm not, not to say that's old, but there's this old saying that I think is still relevant, Nightmare Jones. Don't hate, congratulate. Instead of commenting on how amazing your championships are, or B, keeping their stinking trap shut, somebody had to bring something up about, how come you don't own the smoking skull belt, bro? Shut your mouth, I'm guessing you don't own one belt. Nightmare Jones is dedicated to his craft, He's spending his hard-earned money so that he's got something to bring to you guys, to show you, to share with you. He could just, he could be a hermit and, like, keep it in his closet and never show anybody and just be a total weirdo about it. But he doesn't. He shares it. And what do you guys have in return? You have hate. And you got nothing but, how come you don't have this? And I'm sick of it. I'm sick of you guys. And you know what? We work our asses off for you. And the fact of the matter is, that Nightmare Jones has an amazing pro wrestling belt collection, and you ain't gotta like it. That's my shoot shot for Nightmare Jones. You're next. Man, how do I follow that? All right, so here's my shoot and shout. So on Facebook, you can find things like the worst in the the four state, you know, uh, trash bag wrestlers. Basically, it's it's to trash on other professional wrestlers. And today I saw something that kind of of, of irked my, my nerves a little bit. There, there, there's a guy in the area, he's a referee, and he likes to go to wrestling shows, and he gets pictures taken with, you know, a bunch of wrestlers. And they were ragging on him because he goes to these shows and he gets pictures taken with these other wrestlers, you know, like Angelina Love and and Alexa Bliss, and uh, Sasha Banks, and basically they were calling him a mark just because he likes to go and get, you know, go to wrestling conventions and stuff. It's like, when did it become a bad thing for somebody in the wrestling business to still enjoy to go to wrestling shows? When did that become such a bad thing to to be in the wrestling business and still enjoy you know, getting your, your picture taken with somebody that's on WWE or, or AEW or something. Like, they, they made the comment, maybe the owner of AEW will, will see him with his picture taken with Sasha Banks and, and will de- decide that we need to book him for our shows. Dude, when did that become such a bad thing, you know? Oh, my gosh, Josie, that's legendary, bro. I agree 100%. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, there could, came, there could be a podcast on that. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> hey, the MK Bandit is up to bat, baby. Tell us. It doesn't even have to be wrestling related. It could be about an empty bag no. of chips because you eat Jesus Louise. They're terrible about this. No, here's what, here's what I'm talking What's about. What's yours, Matt? Go ahead. Okay, here's what I'm talking about. I see so many people on social media. There is nothing wrong with paying $40 to meet Alexa Bliss or anything like that. 
There's nothing wrong with paying $40, $50 to take pictures with Angeline Love. In fact, you are helping further the business because that's how we make our money. If you think we make our living off just our emolument or our payout, well, you're wrong. So I see all these people doing that. I see a lot of people, you know, talking about what they saw on the network the night before, and they're spending all this money on professional wrestling. When WWE comes to town, you see 15,000 people in an arena, and they call themselves, quote, true professional wrestling fans. Well, guess what? If you're not going to an independent professional wrestling show paying $10 and supporting those of us that are trying to make our way to the WWE, then you're not a pro wrestling fan. You, my friend, are a mark. Preach! Hit the gunshots, Timmy. I need to hear those gunshots, and I need to hear them right freaking now. Preach! Ladies and gentlemen, the MK Bandit, Matthew Effin Robles. Give me those gunshots, baby. Wrestling and 
come see uh, me and Sam Adonis and Manny Lemons and a whole slew of others. And remember what I said, if you're not supporting independent professional wrestling and you call yourself a wrestling fan, you're not a wrestling fan, you're a mark. <laughs> Josie, say goodnight to Matt, bro. Final thoughts? Man, thanks for coming on. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. You are absolutely awesome. Please don't be a stranger and tell us that you will come back on to the podcast sometime. I'd love to come back. Anytime you want me, you hit me up. I'm here, guys. I really appreciate the time. Awesome. Wow, wow, wow. What an incredible first hour of the WrestleTalk podcast, Josie. Episode 302 has been incredible thus far. Why don't you uh, go ahead and take us in a break, and we'll be back. Uh, While we're on break, bro, if you wouldn't mind messaging the general managers, letting them know that even though the FWWC is on break this week, we would love to hear their thoughts about FWWC backlash and the crowding of our new FWWC Warriors Heart Champion, the Bishop. That number is 657-383-1521. After the break in FWWC, we're getting into our second featured interview of the evening featuring one of our very favorite guests ever, the one and only Tom Simon. We'll catch you guys in about two minutes and 20 seconds on the other side. Peace. Y'all, what up? Night Owl, Nightmare Jones. What up, Wrestle Talk fam? Do it for y'all. Check me out. Kick in the door, wave in the 4-4. Even them haters can't hate us no more. So unlock your door, because we got some more. Every Wednesday we here, keeping it raw. Night Owl, Nightmare Jones, and all the best guests. Like a double barrel pointed right at your chest. WrestleTalkPodcast.com. Smashing and killing it like the night at a prom. 
That's right. Get five sides, Oh, it's all yours, Manet. Oh, Josie. Hey, no, oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Get Fasa, get Fasa, Fasa, loyal members of the WrestleTalk family. Welcome to the second hour of the show. We are roughly 10 minutes away for bringing on our second featured guest of the evening. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, renowned referee, ring announcer, kind of overall pro wrestling genius. And I know he's going to be like, ah, oh, Renee, you, you, you put a little bit too much salt on the tacos, but let's call a spade a spade. This man represents the great state of, uh, or the great city of St. Louis, done a great amount of contributing to the professional wrestling world down in Arkansas as well. So like I said, in about 10 minutes, guys, we're going to be talking to the one and only Tom Simon, and I cannot wait to have a conversation with him and see what the hell he's been doing during the quarantine and how eager he is for everything to open right back up again. Mm-hmm so that we can get back to doing what we love, and that's pro wrestling. But before we get there, we do have some business to address in the FWWC. Nightmare Jones, I know you're always listening. Do me a favor. Message the GMs. Let them know that we're here. And encourage them and their superstars to call in. Why? Well, let me tell you why. Because we just had one of the most epic pay-per-views in FWWC history. Not only was the Warriors Heart Championship on the line, we also were celebrating our ninth year as the world's premier fantasy wrestling promotion. Now, a lot of people like to crap on EFES, and that's fine, but we're not an EFES. We're fantasy wrestling. The difference is the amount of nuance, hard work, and dedication that goes into our craft from our matches the way that we format that, our promos, our posters, and really the community of hardcore wrestling fans, because only the most serious professional wrestling fans need apply, the way we're able to do it is like nothing else I've ever seen before. So if you've always wanted to be in professional wrestling, but you can't for some reason, financial, physical, or even circumstantial reasons, can't get in the ring, FWWC is a tremendous alternative for you. Promos, matches, not physical, but mental, real championships that we ship all across the globe. Some of them are even customized, full size, full weight, original championships that you will only find in the FWWC. Do us a favor and visit WrestleTalkPodcast.com. Slide over to the end over the Fantasy Wrestling tab, click that, read our story, visit our Facebook page, and join. I promise you will not regret it. It will take your professional wrestling watching experience to a whole other level, much like fantasy football did for NFL many, many years ago when it first came onto the scene. Again, it's WrestleTalkPodcast.com forward slash Fantasy Wrestling. All that said, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have time for maybe a caller, possibly two, from the FWWC, and first in line is a woman that don't take no crap. Not only is it because she's hardcore, it's also because she's representing the great state of VA. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, the general manager of the Inferno brand. 
Hardcore Sis. Good evening, Night Owl. Let me first say happy birthday to the FWWC and happy birthday to you. Well, thank you very much. I'm 36 feels a lot better than I thought it would. I appreciate that, Susie. <laughs> Not a problem, one. But, you know, let me let me just make this straight because I know we're kind of pushed for time a little bit, but let me just say, the Inferno team proved once again at Backlash that we are the premier brand of the premier fantasy wrestling group, the FWWC. We proved why we are the Inferno brand and we bring the heat. Not only do we have one of the top three championships, we now hold two. Bishop is our world, our warrior's heart champion. And guess what? He's Inferno. (laughs) Well, I knew, even though we were quote-unquote off this week, that if anybody was going to call, it was going to be you. Because being able to claim that Warriors Heart Championship as a part of your brand is probably your greatest accomplishment to date, courtesy of the Bishop. Now, you've never been Warriors Heart Champion yourself, but you've been around long enough to know the pressures of being the Warriors Heart Champion. If you were sitting in a room right now with Bishop one-on-one, and I'm not saying you have or haven't done this already, what advice would you give him on being the Warriors Heart Champ, seeing as you've seen so many come and go? Probably my first thing I would say to him is don't let your head get big. Don't ever think that because you are the top champ of the group that you are bigger than the group because no one is bigger than the group. But I have to say this. If anyone can handle the pressure of being the Warriors Heart Champion, it'll be Bishop. Bishop is one of the coolest, calmest, most laid-back guys I personally have ever seen. And when you put a task in front of him, he hits it head-on and he demolishes it. And that's one of the reasons he's on my team, because I know that there isn't anyone on my team that can't handle it. But if anyone can handle it, well, it's the Bishop. Well said, well said, indeed. Well, my final question, because we do have to move on to Tom Simon. I've got two other people from the FWWC on hold. Guys, I apologize. We went a little late uh, with MK Bandit, uh, and we've got to get to Tom Simon here within the next three to five minutes. So um, if we're not able to get you on, please just bear with us and understand uh, that that's kind of the way it goes in live radio. Uh, but also, even though the FWWC is on a one-week vacation, uh, the head admin, Dewan Mills, will be hosting the FWWC tonight. You can find it there. Uh, insert any screen. I think we might actually have a chance to bring on a caller here for a couple of moments before it's all said and done. But Dewan Mills is hosting, and we're going to be covering backlash extensively. So if you're the member of the FWWC and you wanted to get on tonight, because like I said, we can only get on one or two, it's been a very busy night. That is the place to be. And of course, it is sponsored by the Wrestle Talk Podcast. So if you want to have your voice heard and you want to talk all FWWC, that is the place to go, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Hardcore Sis, it's always an honor and a pleasure 
to speak with you. We are going to have to move on to Tom Simon. Any final thoughts for the members of the FWWC? Just that, you know what, I am so happy and so proud of my brand, Tom, and I mean it. They make me look good. And the Inferno team looked really good. And I just want to thank each member of my team for everything they did. And it's only up and up from here. Oh, no. the best Are you mad? for last. You saved the best for last. You know this. Oh my gosh. What do you want, Mayhem? What do you want? You know, I, I call onto this very, very, very illustrious show of yours and I gotta hand it to you. You know, making it to 300 episodes and beyond, even for someone as incompetent as you, I am I am impressed. Oh, shut I your mouth, give you, a little prop. you can never do what I do. You can never do what I do. Oh no, no, you I don't I wouldn't get paid enough to do what you do. But anyways, I am calling what? tonight. What? I'm calling tonight to give everyone a little glimpse of what's gonna happen. You see what happened this past Sunday was just the beginning for Battle Cat. See, I end up coming up one oh on Battle Cap for the Hardcore Championship. And lucky for him, we got a break this week. But that's all right, because next week, the next break he's going to be getting is my foot in his ass. And then right, I'm going right. to win you know the Hardcore Championship. You know what? That, that sort of language is, is unnecessary, Mayhem. Just make your point and move on already. You're slowing down the show. Of course not. I called and made my point. If you're listening, Battle Cat, just be prepared to lose this coming Monday and crowning your boy, Marcus Mayhem, the new hardcore champion. Now, I'll let you get, get on to your little show. <laughs> well, well thank, thank you. We really appreciate that. Well, you know what? Fair is fair. And, and we cannot allow this segment to end with nothing but Inferno representation. So, Tom... Bear with me. I promise you'll get your full 30 minutes because we got a lot to talk about. But it would be almost disrespectful if we didn't get an opportunity to bring on this next caller. Ladies and gentlemen, very, very excited to talk to the general manager who's currently leading, currently leading round three of the heated FWWC brand battle. A man hailing from the country just north of the good old U.S. of A., Canada, the Here 
to give you exactly what you want, Night Owl, the Rise brand. I told you, and I'll say it again, we have an army. No whiners, no complainers, just people ready to do the work. We've had a lot going on here in the SWWC, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, but you can see that the other two brands, we can see the cracks. We can see the crumbles. But at the end of the day, the Rise brand is still marching as one. And they're going to keep on marching all the way to the end. And when we get to the end, the heel deal is going to eat the best darn pie there ever was. That's right. Pumpkin. Boom, baby. Oh, no. Why was such a good call until he said that? Why did he have to bust out the pumpkin pie? Heel deal. You were on your way to the best call in FWWC history. Tom Simon. Go ahead, Jonesy. Take it away. 
Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, Tom Simon is a guy that has, you know, called into the podcast multiple times. You know, he's a promoter of USA Championship Wrestling. He's been a referee. He's done just about everything. You know, it, it's it's only fitting that we bring Tom Simon back in because the Wrestle Talk podcast absolutely loves Tom Simon. So, ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, Tom Simon! Telling you, that so reminded epic. me of my times that I've gone to see WVU football and the marching band. So, Tom Simon, thank you for deciding to have us play that music. Oh, it is my pleasure. Good evening, Jonesy. Good evening, Renee. It is absolutely great to be a part of Wrestle Talk one more time. How's everybody I doing tonight? It is an honor to actually have you on here once again, sir. So what has been new with uh, USA Championship Wrestling? Well, USA Championship Wrestling is actually back in business. They are doing shows every weekend around their regular circuit, Gladeville, uh, Jackson. They have a brand-new TV studio. I have backed away from the promotion somewhat because of the fact that I have had a number of other commitments uh, over mm. here in the great state of Arkansas, the natural state. And uh, so uh, Bert Prentice and uh, Lucky P. Larson and Casey Gold are taking over, and, and they're doing a great job. Uh, Jerry Lawler is with USA Championship Wrestling this weekend. Uh, he he does have a contract with WWE, but he is allowed to do these independent bookings. And speaking of independent bookings, I want to pat the heel, Matthew Robles, on the back because he speaks <laughs> the truth. He speaks awesome. absolute truth. When you talk about wrestling fans, the true wrestling fans are the ones that go out and support independent wrestling week in, week out, and absolutely pay their hard-earned money to go see the guys that may not be the best, the most polished guys in the business, but they are the ones who have their heart and soul in wrestling. In, it, it, it's, to them, it's not sports entertainment. To them, it is professional wrestling, and professional wrestling is where independent wrestling belongs. We don't care about the the glitz and the glamour and the lasers and everything else, although a few independent promotions do have some production value. The most important thing are the guys that walk through the curtain. Absolutely. I cannot agree more. So, um, 
speaking of USA Championship Wrestling, uh, as I was looking up some of the information, one of the things that I saw was you had a match coming up uh, with Danny Dollar against WWE's own James Ellsworth. Can you tell us about that match? Well, James Ellsworth is coming in for the weekend. Uh, he's going to be wrestling both nights, Friday and Saturday night in uh, in Tennessee. Uh, James has been a friend of, of, of the company, and, and James, of course, has his own promotion out in uh, out on the East Coast. Uh, before mm-hmm. he was James Ellsworth, he was uh, Jimmy a Jimmy. promoter and had his own promotion. Yes. I, I shared the locker room with uh, James Ellsworth. Well, as I know him, Jimmy Dream. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> We we talked about a couple of things. Um, you know, USA Championship Wrestling can't say enough good things about them. Um, but enough about them. Let's talk about me. <laughs> no, um, I just I'm I'm actually looking at the broadcast on uh, Facebook Watch, and I see a good friend of mine from St. Louis, Missouri, and you talk about independent wrestling, Keith Smith. Is uh, in the uh, in the house, so to speak, and Keith uh, between SICW and South Broadway Wrestling. Keith is just one of the great uh, guys. His uh, family goes way back in St. Mm-hmm. Louis Independent Wrestling with Larry Matisic and Sam Muchnick, and uh, Eddie Smith was one of the. Uh, Great referees for the St. Louis Wrestling Club. Uh, Herb Simmons, good friend, uh, is the promoter for uh, SICW. And we were saddened uh, this past month to say goodbye to the promoter of South Broadway Athletic Club, Tony Costa. Mm. Um, and uh, Little Dynamite was was one of the great guys in independent wrestling. And he and her worked together so well. They shared talent. They shared, you know, they just every once a month, you could always count on South Broadway doing a great show. And once a month, you could always count on SICW, Southern Illinois Championship Wrestling, doing a great show. In fact, the last show I worked, I refereed for Herb Simmons last December. It was uh, it was the Larry Madison Memorial Show. Uh, of course, Larry, the voice of wrestling at the chase for years and years and years, and the right hand man of uh, Sam Muchnick, a uh, long, long time president of uh, National Wrestling Alliance. St. Louis was the the home, so to speak, of the National Wrestling Alliance because everybody who is anybody went through St. Louis and uh, participated on the Friday night shows at Keel Auditorium. Keel Auditorium, one of my favorite places. It's now the Enterprise Center. It's been renovated a couple of times, but it's where I got my first exposure to professional sports. And, oh, you changed brands. Okay. Um, Professional sports as – one of my first true bookings was not with wrestling. Mm-hmm. And you and Matthew Robles were talking earlier yeah. about roller derby. Yes. 
Well, which, which, I, by the way, Tom, Tom, before you go into yeah. the story, let me say that roller derby and pro wrestling, Joe, have a very weird connection because right? All right, so, all right, so let me explain very quickly. So the very first venue to ever rent out our space. Or to, to give us a space to rent out of. And by the way, I think uh, one of us is on voice, uh, on speakerphone, which is causing a reverb. So for a little bit of a reverb, Joe, if you could help me with that audio issue, getting feedback. Um, but anywho, so Rockstar Burgers. Sorry, guys, let me turn that down. So, Rockstar Burgers, the first place that we ever had a watch party, the owner, the place is now closed, the owner got in a bunch of trouble with the cops or whatever, but his girlfriend was a rover, the roller derby star in Kansas City. Then, we had Muckety Muck, who uh, runs or, or is the MC for roller derby matches, at a venue in St. Louis, was on with us just a couple of months ago. Then we had Matt Robles just talk about his history with roller derby. And as we were listening to that story, Tom Simon, who happens to be kicking back a cold one himself, said, hey, ask me about roller derby. So I don't know what it is. Like, there's a correlation between like almost every other kind of sport in professional wrestling. And that goes to show you that every day we continue to creep closer towards wrestling being more mainstream. Because I think there's a lot of closet wrestling fans out there. And I don't know how roller derby and pro wrestling kind of have that tie, but they absolutely do. And I think it's amazing. Tom, go ahead and tell your story. I just wanted to share that because I think it's so cool when you start going through the nuances of the, of some of the people that we talk to, and you come to find out how some of these things are tied together that you never would have thought would be tied together. 1975, the Midwest Thunderbirds were the home team, so to speak, for roller games and roller derby in the St. Louis area, the Midwest Thunderbirds. Of course, everybody else in the country knew them as the Los Angeles Thunderbirds, who always skated at the Olympic Auditorium, Richmond 59171 was the number for tickets, and I still remember that today. Don't ask me how, but I do. It was plastered up on the wall on the far end of the track. Anyway, I would go to roller derby on Sunday afternoons at the Teal Auditorium, and I was friends with the scoreboard operator at the Keels, so I got to sit at the table right next to the track. The guy who, the scoreboard operator's position was a union position, but he could care squat about doing that. He just knew he was getting his union wage and operating scoreboards. So I would sit there and keep score and, and tell him how many points to put up for the visitors how many to put up for the home team, and when to start and stop the clock. Well, one Sunday, by the way, the, the announcer, the trackside announcer at the time, was a guy out of Chicago by the name of Chet Kopic. Now, Chet Kopic was one of the three play-by-play guys at WrestleMania two. He was the play-by-play wow. guy in Chicago. 
and Chet also worked for Roller Derby. He was the TV voice of the Thunderbirds in the Midwest when they had all of their syndicated shows between St. Louis and Chicago, Memphis, uh, Louisville, Hammond, Indiana, where, no matter where it was when they did TV, Chet was the play-by-play person. So on Sunday, I'm sitting there with the scoreboard guy, and Chet Kopic doesn't come out. One guy comes out, and he's kind of a skinny guy, and he started talking on the mic, and he had this Australian accent. And the Thunderbirds happened to be, happened to be skating against the Australian Kangaroos at the time, and of course the Thunderbirds were the good guys, you know, baby faces through and through. So the guy that I was sitting next to, his name was Pete Kelly, who was a massive heel skater with the Australian Kangaroos. He's truly from Australia, but he spoke in a very soft tone, and. If you've ever been to a roller derby game back in the 70s, you know that the, the trackside announcer is the one that yells, go, 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 and, and you know gets the crowd up and works the crowd to a frenzy every single game. Well, in, in the first half, you know, it's like crickets, absolute crickets. You could, you could hear a cricket. Nobody's into the game, nobody, and the skaters are working their asses off, really skating hard. But there, there's nothing there. And I lean over and I talk to, you know, whisper in Pete's ear. He says, I said, you're not enjoying this, are you? He goes, no, not at all. I said, why are you out here? He says, because I'm injured and I had to do something during the game. So they sent me out here since Chet wasn't here. I said, well, would you like some help? And he goes, and hands me the mic. Doesn't even say yes, just hands me the mic. Well, I've been to enough <laughs> games to where I pretty well know how to work the crowd. I am absolutely working the crowd, first half, you know, and at the end of the first half, the Thunderbirds score points, and they take the lead going into the, at the end of the first half. So I'm sitting there with a soda talking to the scoreboard guy while everybody goes off the track, and, you know, it's halftime, so, you know, uh, Nothing's going on. Normally, they'd be pushing the, uh, you know, the next game coming up and everything else. All of a sudden, Pete comes back down and says, come with me. So I go back up towards the dressing room. I take one step inside uh, the backstage area, and Jess Adams, who is one of the big managers in the roller derby, looks at me and says, who told you you could talk on my microphone? And I go, well, to be perfectly honest, the crowd was dying, and it, nobody was enjoying it, and Pete certainly wasn't enjoying it. I thought I'd help out. He says, well, all right, go on back out there and do the second half. I said, cool. <laughs> you know, so I go out back out there, do the second half. He says, but come back and see me afterwards. So I do the second half, you know, it's a great game, Thunderbirds win, and and the best uh, the best part of it all was I go back, you know, I hadn't met any of the skaters or anything else, not, you know, but he, when I get back there, uh, Jess Adams asked me, he said, are you doing anything next Sunday? 
I said, well, no, I was going to come to the game. He says, okay, do you want to announce again? And I said, I'd love to. He says, all right. Now, I'm not promising you anything, but some of the other people are going to be here. Just you come and do the game and and work the crowd like you did this time. We'll talk again. So I, I go home, and I'm in seventh heaven. I, I, was like, I announced Hell the yeah. Thunderbirds. That was like oh. an impromptu job interview that you nailed. Well, that's a, hey, in, in all <laughs> that's reality, amazing. it was. And and the best part about it was John Hall, who was the general manager of the Thunderbirds and the Midwest tour manager, had taken the week off. And get, um, I get back there, you know, show up about 45 minutes before the games, get the get the lineup, start working the crowd, and you know, reminding them that at halftime there's a big match race, blah blah blah. And uh, so at halftime, I. He, I get called back to the back again, and John Hall's back there. He says, "Look, I got to be honest with you. Check quit on us." He he just bailed, and I'm looking for an announcer right now. Wow! He said, "I can. We're we're in Chicago every Friday night. We go out in the uh, outer regions, Louisville, you know, uh, Hammond, Indiana, Memphis." Cincinnati, we go all over the Midwest on Saturday, and then we finish up in St. Louis on Sunday. So would you be interested in uh, in doing this? Uh, can't give you a lot of money, but we can, get, we can put you up in a hotel. I'll give you some money for gas and $25 a game. And this was in 1975. So $25 a game was like, Buku bucks for me. So for a year and a half, I was the trackside announcer for the Midwest Thunderbirds, and we'd go up to Chicago every Thursday night. I'd drive up. We'd have the game in Chicago on Friday. We'd go out on the road on Saturday. And on Sunday, we'd go back to St. Louis. And then after the game, I would take the Los Angeles skaters back to the airport in St. Louis because they would fly out to Los Angeles for the week and then fly back in on Friday into Chicago. Um, One of the most quiet and unassuming young ladies that I had ever met in my life was an Olympic medalist, and her name was Earlene Brown. Now, some people might not know who Earlene Brown was, but she was an Olympic shot putter. She weighed in the neighborhood of 350 pounds, and that's a pretty damn big neighborhood. Uh, But she was the most quiet, unassuming person you'd ever want to meet in your life off the track. One time we flew back from Chicago together because we had a a short week, and we sat together in the the plane, and she was just so quiet and unassuming, very genteel. And I loved Earlene Brown because she was unbelievable. So I got to meet all the my last my last tour with roller derby was a forty five day fifteen thousand mile mm. county fair tour with lady skaters 
I was one of three guys on the tour. One of them was a skating bear guy in a bear <laughs> costume. Second nice. guy was the the semi driver, and the third guy was me. And and so forty five days, fifteen thousand miles, and that was right before I got married the first time. Uh, so it was. Uh, I if I'd have been smart, I'd have stayed out on the road. <laughs> <laughs> right? You hear that joke? <laughs> I heard so that. the roller derby story. Ah, that is a awesome story. All right, Renee, I'm sure that that you have questions, uh, so go ahead and answer whatever questions that you have, sir. Uh, Dude, absolutely. And, and again, Tom, thank you so much. Uh, For those that are just now tuning in, I want to remind you, hitting that like button, that share button is real important uh, for the morale of the show, but also for exposure. So make sure you guys are doing that if you're tuning in. Uh, the other thing I wanted to hit on was how great is it that we can catch Tom Simon eight to 12 months down the road, and it, it almost feels like we're just now scratching the surface and getting to know you. This is actually, believe it or not, the third time that you've been on the show, and it's like we've talked about something different, but it feels very familiar every time, which just goes to show that your experience and your just humble personality shines through every time, Tom. I just... Want to make sure I say that before we get too deep into uh, some of my questions, Renee. I do appreciate it. You know, I love this show. Uh, I love coming on the show every time. Uh, I'm going for my five timers blazer, though. All right. <laughs> well, we better start working on that blazer. We haven't. Uh, I don't think we've even conceptualized that yet. But I'll tell you what. For anybody who's a professional wrestling fan and can't believe that there's a future in it. Whether you're a competitor or a promoter or a referee, you just have to be willing to evolve. And I think that is like a testament to your career. Because when I hear you talk, a bunch of great stories along the way, but it it feels like your career has been a constant evolution, Tom. And I'm curious, what in your background can you attribute to giving you that skill? It's like you're a chameleon. You refereed, and you've been a promoter, and you sit on boards, and you're a commentator, and you've done all these different things. How could you, how could you potentially take your experiences? You know, talk about how how you were influenced to be able to have that sort of flexibility, and how someone might take your story and use it as inspiration moving forward. I know that's a loaded one. But it's awesome. I just hear you talk, and I hear a guy that's never lost his passion always found a way to fit in. And honestly, I think more people need to be adaptable the same way you have been over your illustrious career. It, it's sometimes not. Sometimes it's not easy to be that flexible or that adaptable. But when I was in high school and college, I worked for the campus radio stations, both of them. I was a disc jockey. And I did some sports uh, broadcasting as well uh, for the Eastern Illinois University Panthers. Uh, I did basketball and uh, baseball and soccer. The only thing I didn't do was football because that music that you heard when I, uh, you know, when I came on, that was the Eastern yeah. Illinois University Marching Panther Band, and they 
uh, I was a member of that band when I was in school because I was a music education major. I, uh, yeah, I wanted to be a music teacher. That never quite worked out, but I I played in the marching band. So during football, somebody else did the broadcast, you know, like Matthew does now. He does University of Utah football for the ESPN station out in uh, where, wherever the University of Utah is. Uh, but now he does color commentary for him. And so Matthew and I get together uh, every once in a while, especially at CAC. We'll talk about CAC before I leave also because uh, I've got a deal for you guys. Um, When I was in college, I did uh, radio. Uh, I was also a musician. I'd play in bands on the weekends. So I was used to being on the stage in front of people you know, of course, they were enjoying the music, not sports, but it developed my 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 chops as far as appearing in front of audiences. Um, you know, when I started with the roller derby, 1975. If you think about that, I doubt if any of you were born then. All right. Well, wait, time but out, that time was Tom. I was yeah. negative nine years old. In 1975, negative nine years. 45 years I have been in the business in one manner or another. And that's just from starting with roller derby. And then I, uh, you know, a good friend of mine from St. Louis uh, owns a bar. Murphy's on 21 in St. Louis. Uh, Steve Murphy was a promoter, local promoter. He had a... uh, a wrestling hotline, so to speak, that was sponsored by the the newspaper in St. Louis. It was called Postline. And Black Jack Brown was the announcer that did the national news. And option two of the hotline was the Mississippi Valley Wrestling Alliance Pro Report. And they would talk about local shows, and they'd also talk about, uh, you know, the – national wrestling scene as well. So one time he said, you know, we're looking for talent and we're going to have tryouts on this Saturday afternoon at occasions in St. Louis in Lima. So if you're interested in being in, in professional wrestling, come on out. Well, I had refereed high school sports for years. So I had black pants Referee shirt, you know, black shoes, I, you know, and and I thought I could do a pretty good job, especially after being in roller derby. I knew part of the business uh, that he was looking for, so he he asked me. He says, "Do you have any experience refereeing?" I said, "Well, I've refereed this, 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 and this, and this, and I've watched so much wrestling in my lifetime. I think I could do a good job." So he threw me in the ring with a couple of his regular wrestlers and had me referee a match. This was in the afternoon. So he, you know, he watched me work, watched me, uh, you know. In fact, one of the wrestlers, I believe, was none other than the Techno Kid. Now, nobody ah, knows who the Robert. Techno Kid is. Well, you might know who the Techno Kid is. He is oh, uh, none other than Luke Roberts. And he was one of the wrestlers in my, my audition match for MVWA. So I uh, wow. I worked with Steve Murphy. 
I, I had broadcast experience, so I would produce segments of the show and interviews and things like that. And every Tuesday night, I, this was when I was uh, separated, getting ready for my uh, divorce. Murph and I were, were roommates. So every Tuesday night, we would set up a backdrop in the living room, set up a camera. All the guys would come over and do their drop-ins for the wrestling, the cable access wrestling show that we had every week on Charter Cable in St. Louis. And they'd come over. We'd have this huge three-quarter-inch recorder, and everybody would do their uh, their interviews and set up for the – I hear that beer uh, – do the, do the interviews for the upcoming card at occasions, you know, we because we do live cards uh, every three weeks or so. And so that's where I got deeper into the wrestling business uh, and was in the wrestling business off and on for the next, you know, 25 years. Uh, I'm still, still have my hands in it today. Um, uh, And every year I go out to Cauliflower Alley Club on Sunday and Monday nights. We have shows where wrestlers from all over the country come in and do matches. Uh, It's like a a talent showcase, so to speak. We've had a lot of great wrestlers. Uh, Sin Bodie's been in there. Jody Christopherson was one of my favorites, the uh, War Hog. Uh, Now, I don't know if the name sounds familiar, but his dad is Chris Christopherson, uh, mm-hmm. one of the uh, highwaymen. And yes. uh, I got got to meet him. We had, we've had we had Jushin Thunder Liger on the show. Uh, of course, no matter where you go, all of these wrestlers at CAC are coming together because of the brotherhood, because of the, the ring of friendship, so to speak. I have been going to CAC for the past 12 years, I And I've got to tell you guys, and I told this to Lucky P. Larson two years ago. I said, you will never have the opportunity to meet more people who have made a difference in your life, who have made an impact in your life, than you will coming to CAC. Because you will see guys there. Last year, one of the headliners at the banquet, one of the award winners, Mark Henry, unbelievable, gave a compelling speech. And I, to this day, I still love Mark Henry. I I get to listen to him three days a week on Sirius XM. But these are the people that you get to see if you go to Vegas. Now, unfortunately, this year, because of uh, COVID-19, the the, uh, reunion – Cauliflower Alley Club reunion was postponed. It wasn't canceled because they were hopeful to be able to get things together and, and things would subside. As it stands right now, the Gold Coast Hotel and Casino, which is the host for CAC, is open again. It is back open. And on September, the, now we'll talk about the show first. The, uh, the two shows that are put on by Vendetta Pro Wrestling, Billy Blade does a great job every year getting it all together. Sparky Ballard and the Ballard and, and the, just a bunch of guys from the West Coast 
bring their equipment. They drive their stuff from the West Coast, from L.A., and, and bring it to Vegas, set it up in the ballroom. On the 20th and 21st of September, those are the two dates for the shows. CAC actually starts on the 21st, and it runs through the 23rd. The big banquet is the night of the 23rd. That's when the big awards are given out. I will be staying in Vegas for two weeks, however, and the reason for that is not only after CAC is done, I will be moving from the Gold Coast to Samstown Hotel and Casino because on the 26th, there's another reunion that begins, and that reunion is the annual roller derby reunion. And I have received an invitation to join all the guys that I used to work with and all the gals I used to work with at Sam's town. And we'll spend four days out there. In fact, there's a skater in, in Las Vegas who has a track and she sets up this bank track outside in her yard and everybody brings their skates and they all skate and we barbecue and they barbecue and everything else. Don Lastra referee from the Los Angeles area who, who refereed a lot of T-Bird games and a lot of wrestling in Los Angeles uh, is one of the guys, Dave Martinez, who is the son-in-law of Ralphie Valadares, and his mother-in-law, Honey Sanchez, was the wife of Ralphie Valadares, the Guatemalan flyer. Um, all those guys come over to CAC every year. And they knew that I had worked in roller derby. So one year they said, well, you know, we always run the same time. You know, if you can come by for a couple hours and, and see some of the skaters, you know, that's fine. Usually I'm, I'm tied up with seminars and everything at CAC. Well, this year the reunions are staggered. The roller derby reunion is one week later than CAC. So I'm staying for two weeks, and I get to go to both reunions. And I'm tickled to death for it. Are you trying to make us jealous, Tom? That's what I'm, I'm getting jealous. I'm, I'm getting by, I'm getting those vibes right now, Joe. Look, you—you really—if you don't take advantage of this opportunity, you will—you will hate yourself because you have no idea, Renee. If you look on my Facebook page, you will see over the years everybody that I've had the opportunity to take a picture with. And guess what? You're not a—you know—everybody that's in the business started out as a fan. Everybody, I don't care who you are. You were Rocky Johnson's little boy, and you were sitting in the in the dressing room while Dad was out there in the ring. But got the itch, got the got the bug. You, anybody who is in the business started out as a fan. You don't just go into the I business agree. Uh, having without having some affection for it beforehand. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm one of the biggest fans out there. You know, my last show with TCW Wrestling in the main event was none other than Tommy Dreamer. And so, you know, I get full circle. Tommy Dreamer. We were just talking about uh, Matt Robles about Tommy Dreamer. Yeah, I know. I I was listening. Of course, he's had had more times to work with, with Tommy than I did, but. Uh, the last show with TCW in Fort Smith, Arkansas, was uh, Tommy Dreamer was in the main event on the show, and unbelievable. He, uh, he, and he, he, of course, he insisted on wearing his House of Hardcore shirt 
there as well, and nobody cared. It didn't matter. We, it, that was no. fine because why would it to get somebody there? Matt Hardy's worked at PCW. I, all the guys that I worked with, unbelievable. I've been blessed well, in my lifetime. Tom, you know, a lot Tom, of people you, say, you really "Well, have, you, how?" how well, I, was, how, I apologize. I was going right. to say you are truly blessed. The experiences that you had and the fact that you're willing to share them with us, it's it's incredible. But go ahead and finish, man. Well, not only not only the the opportunities, but the memories. I I I can look back now and look at the pictures and and everything that's happened in my life. I I, I am truly blessed because I, where could a kid from Collinsville, Illinois, grow up and have the opportunities to rub elbows with so many people who mean so much to everybody else? In the business, you know, uh, Roddy Piper, uh, Mick Foley. Uh, these are all guys that I met at uh, CAC. Dr. Beth David Schultz. I, somebody mentioned him earlier on the show. Um, I guess uh, Matthew mentioned because he was a guest on, on the CAC podcast. But he was there last year. Got an opportunity to get a picture with him. Uh, Jim Ross. Jim Ross's lovely wife, Jan, God rest her soul. I had the opportunity every year to talk to Jan Ross because she was bored and I was bored and she was sitting next to Jim and Jim was talking to, to Tony Gurria and all the other agents from WWE. And so I'm sitting there with Jan and Jan tells me how they met. And, you know, you know, we talked back and forth and, you know, after the third or fourth year, it was great because that was one of the conversations I look forward to having every year. And it was truly sad when she passed away. And I know how much that affected Jim because he didn't go anywhere without her. Really. Uh, she, she accompanied him everywhere and was, was his support system. And, you know, I love Jim Ross to this day. Everybody says, well, he's gotten a little too big for his britches. I said, no, 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 no. He's earned every bit of what he has every now. Inch. Every inch. Every stick. Absolutely. And he, had, and he has been the MC for uh, Cauliflower for years. And the one thing that he said years ago that, uh, that struck home, and, and, and I said, yeah, this is absolutely correct. He says, you're sitting here, and this was in the big banquet. You know, there's 500, 600 people at this banquet. He says, you're sitting here, and you're part of this business. He says, and if, you, he says, if you're not a member of CAC, why not? Why aren't you? You're in this business. CAC helps people that are down in this business. If you're not a member, why not? How, how can you come here? And with a clear conscience, take in all that we offer, and you're not a member. So as a result, well, that, that put a little boost in there uh, of the membership. This is the year that well, I picked well, my uh, lifetime membership, by the way. Well, I got that out there. Here's what I want to say about the membership, which is why – uh, yours truly has made the decision that I'm going to sign up and become a lifetime member of the CAC. 
So there's a lot of worthwhile organizations, and if you donate money in any capacity, whether it be your church, uh, you know, the guys that sit outside and ring the bell at Walmart during the holidays, or the CAC, giving back is always positive. Because we do live in the greatest country on God's green earth. And you guys know we play that Carl Lewis uh, bit at the beginning of, of every single show. And we like to have fun with it, but truly, we're both grateful. Joe and I come from very different backgrounds, uh, but we're both very, very happy to be Americans. Regardless of what may be going on uh, within our borders, I'd still rather be here than anywhere else in the whole wide world. And I'll tell you what, Tom, this country has afforded us with so many beautiful things, um, you know, like being able to give back. And if you love professional wrestling, ladies and gentlemen, the CAC has a $25 a year membership where every single dollar of those $25 go to help wrestlers of yesteryear pay for their medical bills, pay for housing, pay for prescriptions, pay for surgeries. The Terry Funks of the world, the guys who helped make pro wrestling famous, that having become millionaires in the business, they need our help. So if you love this business, much like we were talking about with Matt Robles, you love this business, why are you going to independent shows? If you love this business and you like to give charitable donations, okay, why not make it to CAC? Because you know what? Not only is it a charitable donation, okay, you also get to attend the most legitimate Hall of Fame in pro wrestling today. And I say that boldly because the WWE Hall of Fame, no disrespect, they only induct WWE superstars. Okay? On very rare occasion do they ever bring someone into the Hall of Fame that didn't actually wrestle for them or or is it a company that they don't actually own? Okay? The CAC recognizes professional wrestlers from all walks of life. Many people from my native country, Mexico, have received awards and been inducted into the CAC Hall of Fame, something they could never be able to do in the WWE. So like and, and guess Go ahead. Renee Yes, sir. And the the awardee this year, the Mike Mazurki Award this year, uh, which is the big one. That's the one Mark Henry got last year. The awardee, the awardee this year, Ray Mysterio. Booyaka, Junior. booyaka. <laughs> yeah. And so Ray he and will Mysterio be there Junior. on Wednesday exactly, night. Man. Uh, Great timing on that, Tom. Great timing. He will be there Wednesday night, and, I mean, you have to spend $50 to see him in an arena, and you're 10,000 feet away. You're going to get to sit probably five or six tables away from him because they, the WWE gets two tables every year, uh, regardless of how many people they bring in. But there's always Ricky Steamboat. There's always Tony Gurria. There's always Pat Patterson. You know, uh, all the guys that have been with the organization for years and years and years, they all come in. The awardees, you know, a couple of years ago, it was Shawn Michaels and Kevin Nash, you know, DX, they were there. You know, they always bring guys in every year. So you're going you're gonna to have a chance during uh, – before cocktails, you know, they, they have a, a strict rule about – uh, autographs during the banquet, but you have plenty of other opportunities during the whole week uh, to see these guys. You know, they don't just fly in on Wednesday night, do their hour at the banquet, and then take off. 
you know, a lot of these guys come in because they know not only you don't have to be a wrestler, you don't have to be in the business to join CAC. If you are a fan of wrestling, and there are a lot of fans that come to these, but they are welcomed because, frankly, their money is just as good as everybody else's when it comes to uh, dues for the club. Uh, there is also a nostalgia room that has a lot of vendors that are there, and you can pick up some pretty good, pretty sweet deals. Guys who have written books during the year, they'll sit there and they'll, they'll you know, sell their book and, and autograph it. I, I've got a, a pretty good library from guys that have been out there. Uh, oh, well, wait, wait a second, have, Tom. Tom, I, I do, you know what? You said authors, and I have to show some love here real quick to Ben Oliver, um, who is a big part of uh, Wrestling Bookmarks COVID Con. Um, you know, Greg has uh, revamped his website. Um, I yeah. think it's slamwrestling.net. And, 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 so, yeah. and Greg's there every year. Shout out to Greg Oliver. Greg's there every year at CAC. Uh, you know, I've, I've met Greg a, a number of years ago. Uh, Kerry Williams is another one of the, the writers that's writing for Slam Wrestling now. Uh, Pat LaFraud, a great author in Canada. Uh, the Canadian uh, delegation is definitely represented there every year at CAC. Uh, you know, Greg is there. In fact, he was one of the co-hosts for what used to be called the Baloney Blowout. Uh, on Tuesday night, uh, it was changed to the Bockwinkle blowout after Nick passed away. Uh, I think it's shifting back to Baloney blowout. But uh, does anybody know where where that came from? No. Where, where did the Baloney blowout it, come from? It's, that a, sounds it's awesome. a great trivia question. <laughs> guys, guys in the old days would sit in a dressing room afterwards after a show. The promoter would come in with a big slab of bologna and a loaf of bread. And guys would sit there and eat bologna sandwiches while they were getting dressed and things like that. So that was part of the pay back then. For yeah, I mean, we're talking about wrestlers in the fifties, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. But nowadays, on Tuesday night, they have the bologna blowout, but it's not just bologna. It's it's uh, roast beef and ham and 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 bologna and a lot of cheeses and desserts and you know potato salad, coleslaw, blah blah blah. But, you know, those are included when you go to the CAC reunion. The baloney blowout on Tuesday night and the banquet on Wednesday night are included in the, I believe it's $125. That also pays for your membership for that year. If you are a lifetime member, there's a little different financial uh, thing for the, for the week. But, you know, you get, you get fellowship and you get uh, membership, and you get to see these guys. Uh, you know, Ricky Santana. Every year I see him, and and Ricky he always Santana, remembers me. Santana, let's go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not Tito, but uh, you know, Ricky, uh, Mondo Guerrero. I, my, my first year, I had a picture taken with Mondo Guerrero, uh, Ricky Santana, uh, the Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and me in a picture together, and. Uh, you know, it, it, I love wrestling. I love wrestlers. These guys come every year and they just talk wrestling. There are a number of seminars on how to promote yourself in the business, uh, you know, and, and a number of different subjects. 
they, they, Ron Hutchinson, Ron Hutchinson is in charge of the seminars. Now that name may be familiar to some of you out there. Ron Hutchinson is, in fact, the guy who trained Edge, Christian, Christaratus, and all of the Toronto kids. Ron was the trainer in Canada other than the hearts. I mean, you were either trained by the hearts or you were trained by Ron Hutchinson. And Ron's there every year, pleasant guy, will take time to talk to you. I love Ron anyway, but uh, he's also a pretty good bigger. And by the way, Tom, <laughs> Tom, by the way, the chief who was uh, spectating during uh, Matt Robles' interview uh, said that he'd buy me a beer if I came out to the CAC. So I feel even more incentivized to go out there now. That that sounds good enough to me. <laughs> it sounds like a Here's good time. And you know what? September September in Vegas doesn't sound all that bad. Josie, I know you're planning on coming out uh, for SummerSlam, man, but the CAC was also in uh, in the cards for you this year before COVID-19. Bro, you became a member this year just very briefly, tell us why it's important to you to be a member of the Cauliflower Alley Club. Oh, you know, it, it's simple. You know, I, I've been a wrestling fan ever since I was a kid. And, you know, the, the Cauliflower Alley Club is something that is huge in the wrestling community. And to be able to be a part of this is absolutely amazing. You know, I was going to go down for my first ever Cauliflower Alley Club, uh, but then because of COVID-19, it got postponed, and now I'm not going to be able to go. But, you know, I'm definitely planning on going to the next one that they have. I'm going to be there so that I can celebrate with all of my wrestling friends and and meet new friends, and it's going to be absolutely awesome. <laughs> it is. It is the best Everybody time. Excited yeah, about I, it, I, hey, Jonesy, I'm gonna hold you to it, brother. And uh, just, just as a, uh, a, a traveler's tip, uh, TGI Fridays in the Gold Coast is the place to be after the shows, after the banquets, and after the wrestling shows. But on okay. Tuesday night, after the baloney blowout, every year they have the. Uh, it, it, it's it, what it is. It's a strut off. It's a it's a Jackie Fargo, Larry Sweeney, Texarkana uh, strut off, and it, you you have two people, and and they go down the gauntlet, and strut. And if you remember Jackie Fargo, he strutted that strut before Ric Flair did. <laughs> yes. Google Jackie Fargo and Google the Fargo strut and you will see. And so we do this at midnight strut, on Joe. Tuesday night. And Joe, I, just I want to strut. Back. Oh, you can strut. <laughs> Absolutely. I want to strut. I want to strut. I'll, I'll hook you up with a partner while you're out there. Of course, it's better if the, if the partner is female uh, because then you can be more creative than ever. It's not Woo! your, it's not your grandmother strut off. Now you've got to be creative and, and they have four or five rounds and, you know, eliminate. But, you know, guys, there are guys that work all year long working on choreography for this strut off. And that's one of the things. That's, it's, it's just an ancillary thing. But they have that in the sports bar in the Gold Coast. It's a lot of fun. 
Renee, oh, I, I already up. got it, how you can win. I will let you use one of my championship belts. You can wear a pair of sunglasses and a Speedo, and you would win. Bro, let me tell you something. <laughs> me, me in a Speedo would get me disqualified. I guarantee it. <laughs> well, listen, gentlemen, there, there I hate a, to be the there, bearer of bad news, but we have to close out tonight's episode. And we have a WrestleTalk podcast game show challenge to get through, so we're going to do something we've never done before. We're going to do the game show challenge, and it's going to be sudden death. There will only be one question, whichever Ooh. one of you men answers this question correctly will be the Ooh. winner of tonight's game show challenge. That's how it's going to work. That's, which, that's right. Which one of you guys is going to chicken out? You're going to chicken out? Do it now. No, no, no. I'm in. I'm Don't in. Be- I'm in, but man, the freaking special. Woo! Let's go, baby. There's only one way to do it, and that's to do it. Enter Timmy, you know what to do. Go ahead and hit that music as we close out tonight's show with the latest installment of the Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. Well, that was quick. <laughs> Brett Summers. All right. Charles Nelson Ryan. Welcome to this week's installment of the world famous Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. Tonight's contest is scheduled for one fall. One fall. Our contest, uh, our contestants, I'm sorry, are Joe Lance and Tom Simon. In a few moments, I will be asking you one question about a particular professional wrestling topic. Whoever you think, whenever you think you know the answer, simply shout it out. The first person to shout out your answer will be the winner of tonight's game show challenge. You gentlemen understand the rules? Yes, sir. Yeah. In honor in honor of today's guest, Tom Simon, the Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge category is titled Famous Professional Wrestling Announcers. I will give you information about one famous professional wrestling announcer when you think you know the answer and you think and you know who I'm talking about simply shout it out the first person to answer will be the winner again are you gentlemen uh, clear on the rules yes yes do this all right again as soon as you think you know the answer shout it out this late professional wrestling announcer was a member of the 2009 class of the WWE Hall of Fame. He was a 40-year employee of the WWF. Howard Finkel. Howard Finkel is correct. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a winner. The voice of professional wrestling in the Midwest, the one and only Tom. Simon, Inter Timmy, Inter Timmy, 
with tonight's episode, dude. It was absolutely fantastic. The only thing that keeps coming back to me are those haters, bro. The people, whenever you did your video about your championships, they wanted to bring up belts that weren't in your video. And I'm like, why can't y'all just be happy for what the man has? And when you're talking about trash talking, I don't think there's anybody better to sum up tonight's episode than the legendary Iron Sheik, who today happened to tweet, F the new normal. That was his tweet today, Joe, and I couldn't agree anymore. So why don't you go ahead and close this out. I'll hit the drop, you hit the music, and we'll close out episode 302 of the Wrestle Talk podcast, brother. Go ahead. Oh, man, you know, it's just, wow, you know, episode 302. Who would have thought we would have been to episode 302, but it's been absolutely amazing. Each and every single one of you are amazing. We appreciate your support. You guys are awesome. Shout out to all of our supporters, all of our, you know, anybody that has anything to do with the Best of Talk podcast, you guys are absolutely amazing. All of our sponsors, you know, man, just wow. Thank you. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> and big shout out once again to Interstate 70 Sports Media for being our newest sponsors. I'm going to hit the sheet. Jones is going to hit the music. We are out of here tonight. We'll catch y'all next week, Tuesday, at WrestleTalk Podcast. Fucking bullshit! Walking arenas, I'm setting it down and I'm raising the bar. Y'all look like the kind to get lost in the shovel, just playing the part. I belong in the light. Y'all can just stay in the dark. Funny how every time they know who we are, but we say who we are. I'ma take care of the light work and I'ma make them fans go loco. Black and yellow in a logo. I got the game in the show code. Music drops, everybody puts their hands up like their nay nay. Y'all know just what they say. Adam Cole, baby. They will not leave any doubt in your mind. This is the moment that they waited to have. So knock you out with a punch of a kick of a little bit of both combo with a dab. Uh, I am Roddy with the flow. Yeah. I am Bobby when I'm bold. Yeah. I'm a Roddy with the gold. Yeah. Every title I'm a hold. Yeah. Our era this our time, you better recognize. recognize. My lyrics bring the house down with a record lot. Yeah. I keep moving, I can prove it. Let me show you how I do this. Can't refute it, I ain't losing. This flow is undisputed. Boom. <laughs> Yeah, they will. Yeah, rest the flow, 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 yeah.